0: Boy, do we have a treat for you! <laughs> and I say absolutely. that because, like, it was a treat for us. It oh, absolutely, it was. And so, by yes. extension, it should also be a treat for you.
1: <laughs> what you're trying to say is, "Hello and welcome to the Movie Men Podcast." Stop, podca- stop, no. st- stealing my line. Okay, I you say, say, "Hello, hello okay. and welcome." Mm. Welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. There we go. I'm Peter. Uh-huh. And the order of business operations, or whatever you'd classify yourself as, Brady, we are here and we are excited. See, doesn't to teamwork share?
0: make the dream work?
1: I think so. And that sounds like something that was on Arthur. Yeah. Pro- yeah or I something. It's on something. Or some yeah. such. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, we're here uh, in this episode. We were actually very excited to chat with director, Canadian director. Alan Ungar uh, about his recent project, uh, the 2022 film Bandit. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much all this is going to be. This episode, is, yes, this, this is a
0: pre-recorded episode. Mm-hmm. Yep, which we don't do it, often. Uh, very rarely, yeah. But every yeah. so often, it's got to be done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously, uh, if you're f- familiar with the show, you know that our previous episode, Brady and I. Uh, sat together and talked and reviewed the film itself bandit so if you're wanting a review of the film that's the previous episode that released this today will just be exclusively like brady said our interview our discussion and a really good chat with uh alan ungar so yeah so let's quit wasting time (laughs) let's
0: get to it let's just get to it so here we go yeah here we go
1: Since its release, Bandit has continued to crack iTunes Top 10 in various film categories. Uh, Critics and journalists have both been praising this film for various elements, including the directing of Alan Ungar. Um, A statement that I definitely can get behind by The rap, called this the best use of, oh yeah, since Ferris Bueller. Um, So without further ado, we're here to talk with the one and only Canadian director Alan Ongar Alan, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me and thanks for the uh, kind words. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, we're uh we're both
0: super excited about this. So obviously, we've both seen Bandit and have both That's good start. Uh, That's good start. Yeah, we've both uh, <laughs> been singing the praises of Bandit to each other cuz uh yeah, it's yeah. it's Yeah, it it certainly blew, I think, all of our expectations away. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's good. Um, So Bandit is an extraordinary true story, uh, which I think is something that as moviegoers, we kind of are drawn to. Um, When did the scent of The Flying Bandit first, you know, when did you first catch the scent of that? And as a director who has done things like gridlock and clearly the superior <laughs> uncharted film uh, what was it that ultimately cemented bandit for you as a as a narrative that you
2: wanted to tell um you know i I was familiar with the moniker uh, in the early 2000s I think it was when I started. you know once you start spending enough time on the internet and especially as a writer you know nobody wants to know what the the Google search history is of a writer. There's a lot of messed up stuff in there, but specifically <laughs> as I start going down, like sort of, <laughs> the, the the deep canals of the web, <laughs> um, the moniker became something I was familiar with. Hmm. And um, the funny thing is that this all happened before I was born. Cause I mean, essentially, you know, I was born in 88 and, and he was pretty much already getting sentenced at that point. So by the time he came to Canada in 84, uh, I don't think I was even a thought. My parents. <laughs> so uh, I got sent the script uh, about five years ago. Actually, what's crazy about it is this November Will be exactly five years uh, from the date that Craig Wendman, the writer, and I first sat down to talk about the movie. It's kind of, (laughs) Um, but yeah, I got sent the script by my agent, and I just loved it. I mean, the fact that it was Canadian, it was about Canadian people, it was a true story. um, uh, The characters were relatable. It just kind of had all the ingredients that I was looking for. And after gridlocked, it was sort of this. It was, I wouldn't call it problematic, but I was getting offered a lot of these movies that were very similar, stuff that I didn't want to do. You know, it's like, oh, you're Canadian, check for the tax credit. Oh, you can do stuff that, you know, you can make look bigger, check. Oh, action, check. And I just didn't want to get pigeonholed. So I was becoming really, really selective, which is actually why I ended up doing Uncharted. Um, so I could put myself in a better position to get better projects and projects with more pedigree and, and bigger talent. Um, And uh, and, yeah, so I read it, uh, went after it, Craig and I sat down, you know, I think we bonded immediately. And and similarly, Craig was coming from a world where he was doing a lot of stuff, you know, in the Hallmark and Lifetime space, which you wouldn't really put together. It doesn't really make sense when you watch Bandit. Sure script. Definitely not a Hallmark movie. No, so I think we were both coming at it from the same place um, professionally, which was we both wanted to elevate our careers a little bit. Um, And then, yeah, we set it up with a producer in Montreal and we were on our way.
1: Hmm. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Alan, I'm going to show my cards here. Uh, I am a huge Nestor Carbonell fan. I love his work and I would like you to just kind of peel back what was I've heard I've read a lot of things about just different things he did on this project, and I want to hear from your perspective, kind of orchestrating this, what's it like working with Nestor and on this project?
2: Nestor, I, I honestly can't say enough about Nestor. Um, he's not just an incredible actor, but he's just an incredible human being. Hmm. He's compassionate. He's patient. he 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 understands, you know, everything that I'm trying to do. he He's got no ego in it, you know, of course, coming off of something like, a morning show, huge budget. Dark Knight, huge budget. Lost, mm-hmm. huge budget. Bates, everything that he's done, um, and then he comes to Bandit, which we all thought was going to be a little bit bigger, mm. uh, but just ended up being, you know, kind of like a guerrilla, run and gun indie style movie. And he was so down for it, and because he has a directing background mm. uh, in television. He was able to come in and say, "All right, there's no, there's no way we can do everything that we need to do. So why don't we split our units up?" And he's like, "I'll kind of run this unit downstairs in the studio. You'll be upstairs, and then you come run to me, and I'll show you what I'm doing." And so we kind of worked together in that capacity, which was really bizarre. I wasn't expecting that, and all of this was done with him on one leg essentially because he tore his Achilles tendon while we were shooting the climax of the movie, oh. which was in the first, uh, the second week of production. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, saved. Not only did he save the movie by staying and delaying his surgery, oh. he saved the movie by helping me get some of the second unit pickup stuff that we needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, we, it's funny, we um we hadn't seen each other in a minute, and uh, they paired us up when we were doing the press junket in Los Angeles, which was my first press junket. It was really exciting, actually. Nice. Um, they paired Nestor and I together, they paired Josh and Alicia, obviously, um, and Nestor and I just spent the day... Kind of going from junket to junket and interview to interview just hanging out and yeah he, he's the best he's the
1: best hmm. that is that is refreshing to hear because that's the persona he gives on screen so to hear that he's like that in real life is just very f- fulfilling um just my one follow-up question to this obviously being a fan of nesters it wasn't a surprise to me that there was the eyeliner you know eye makeup reference and i'm just curious peeling back the curtain was this Something that was in the blueprint once casting decision was made he was in, or was it kind of a last minute thing that kind of came about and you guys said, Hey, let's do another one? Or where we did where j- was the genesis for that? We joked
2: about it early on. Mm. Um I love pop culture references. <laughs> I love everything about, you know, the zeitgeist. Um mm-hmm. I have I mean, it's hard to see, but I have crazy long eyelashes. <laughs> and so the joke on set whenever Nestor and I were together, the, the you know, the makeup team, the hair team, they all sort of like not razz us, but they, they, they would poke fun. Right. And uh, it was actually Nestor's idea to, to make a reference to himself, especially because we're talking about Boy George, we're talking about makeup, we're talking about all these things. It's just so relevant. And um, I think... The way we did it in Bandit was probably the most overt in his career, but then he kind of joked later that he's done it a couple times. Like he did it in the morning show once. He did it in another show. Mm. Um, but I like to think that this one was the most uh, <laughs> most overt uh, and one that will be pleasing for his fans.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's, it definitely doesn't beat around the bush. It's a very mm-hmm. it's a very straightforward <laughs> straightforward comment, and yeah, it's it it hits. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned Josh. It, it, obviously, uh, Josh did. gives. Arguably the performance of his career in this film. Um, and a character like Gilbert, see, in films like this, it's so fascinating because if the film's done properly, um, which Bandit certainly was, we it puts the viewer in a place where we are um we're relating to and rooting for someone who is doing some Pretty questionable things. Yeah. Um, what was the collaboration process like with Josh to get this character to be everything that you wanted it to be and and not
2: the things you didn't want it to be? It was really about humanizing him. And I think Josh brought that that level um, of you know, realism and and sympathy and just all the things that we needed because at the end of the day, it's like goes back to that adage, you know, good people have to do bad things sometimes. And there was this whole backstory that unfortunately we just never had time to shoot or money to shoot about his upbringing in East LA, having a Latino gang father and a white mother and never really belonging, never really having anything but a need for family and a place to belong, a place to call home. And so when Josh kind of came on, he sort of dug into the character, and I think a he was really excited about playing, you know, multiple personalities, of course, and having fun with that. But I think what really struck him was, yeah, the relatability and the fact that this was a guy who a lot of us could could look at and totally sympathize with. And he really wanted to bring out the quirks, the, the sort of weird personality traits, and the things that you know might make him feel a little bit more three-dimensional but also humorous and like similar to me um a lot of us try to find the humor in everyday situations whether it's trauma whether it's fear um and so he and i really worked closely in bringing those elements out and i think the one thing he really added even more was a sense of comedy i mean the film was always written to be slightly humorous and to have Um, self-aware moments and not take itself too seriously at times, even though it is a drama. Um, But I think he really dug in and brought out um, a lot more than I was expecting. And he says to to himself, it's crazy. He's like, he wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it was either. He kind of just, and then we'd be on set. And we both just start riffing off each other and come up with these ideas, you know, like uh, him throwing a lisp into the original sort of uh, stakeout sequence was something we just came up with on the day, um, you know, him in the construction outfit after he he makes the bet with Mel Gibson about the bank. Originally, he was going to come back in and he was just going to already be changed back yeah, into his he, clothes, but he's like, nah, I should come in and. You have this moment, and like so, we really just sort of collaborated on on how we could take every scene and every moment and elevate it to be its absolute best.
0: Yeah, and Mm -hmm. it's it's done to a T. I think it's it's very easy. It would have been very easy to have the humor. Thrust the character into a point that was unrealistic, but even even small moments like him telling a stranger on the street that he's going to be a dad, I'm like, yeah, that's that is that's pretty much how I responded when I found that Mm. out. Like that is it's it's funny, but it's it's real. It's human. Um, Josh and
2: Josh is so good at those things, and you know I've always thought he's such an underrated actor. and, and that he's always had this really great platform to exist like on and like, like these big rom-coms awesome. and transformers and, you know, yeah. Jupiter's legacy was, so was a huge great. show on Netflix. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where I think people haven't given him the ability to do what he's really capable of. And I sure. think this movie, as you said, I mean, we're very thankful. I think the, the, the unanimous sort of, you know, the consensus is that this is sort of the best he's ever been. This is oh, him showing off yeah. his props and resonating mm-hmm. with audiences that already women found him handsome and charming. Men were like, "Oh, this guy's a stud," uh, and and I he's he, I can't yeah he's amazing honestly.
0: Yeah, uh, you mentioned another relatively well known actor who's in this film, uh, and one Mel Gibson, who not Heard only him, yeah. Had, yeah not only has an incredible career under his belt uh but has overthrown Tim Allen as my personal favorite on-screen santa um and yeah. so tell us not tell bad. us <laughs> it's you know what I'm not we won't talk about the movie but but as as santa like his standalone
2: performance is like yeah conceptually i think i think look i i did like it i did like the movie but i think there was something that was still a lot more fun about mel playing santa than the movie itself Um, and the funny here's the funny thing okay they shot that movie in ottawa as you may know Mm. Um, so they shot that movie in ottawa and it's called fat man and the real tommy craig was nicknamed the fat man in ottawa uh, um, oh, right. so that was kind of fun. And when I told Mel that he kind of chuckled, he's like, wait, do you want me to gain weight? We're fat. <laughs> <laughs> i not doing any of that stuff. You no, know, Mel, um, Mel was always on the short list. Um, he has this uncanny resemblance to the real Tommy K, which is insane. If you, mm-hmm. it, I don't know if they ever got a hold of the press kit or saw real photos, but the real Tommy K and Mel. If you put them side by side, you're like, oh my God, I can totally see this. Hmm. Uh, and we talked very early on about, you know, if he would be able to because go and right. read the book and watch the documentaries. and you know, He did his research. He did his due diligence. I think he was fascinated by the stranger than fiction elements, um, you know, uh, or sorry, truth, stranger than fiction. Uh, and he, I, was, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect because, you know, there's a lot of guys now doing these movies where they come in, they work for a few days, and, you know, the, obviously there, there have been some movies that he's done that aren't as good as others, and it's like that with anybody, but there was sort of this yeah. uncertainty, and uh, I think we hit it off, you know, right off the bat, and I think he trusted me and he knew you know what I was setting up to make was a lot different from maybe some of the preconceived notions that people had about this movie, because like, to be quite honest, I think a lot of people heard about the film, they saw the cast, and they were like, "Oh, this could be one of those, this could go a different way. Um, sure. I was so excited for that, because <laughs> yeah. I was like, as soon as they release the specs for the movie, and you see that it's two hours long, I don't think so, Lillian, anyone that? in their right mind would... You yeah. know, think an Emmett Furla movie or one of these Bruce Willis sort of schlocky films would would ever run yeah. that long. So I think people right. started to be like, what's up with this movie? Maybe I got to check it out. So wow. I, had a, I had a big smile on my face because I knew that there were going to be a lot of haters out there expecting this to be like a really bad like action movie. <laughs> hmm. um, and so, you know, Mel just, and I don't think we've seen Mel like this in a while. You know, he's, Kind of like a charming uncle in a way, and yes. He this father figure, yeah. And what's great about it is we kind of set it up so that everybody was expecting, oh, when we meet him, he's probably going to double cross him later, or oh, yes. he might show up at his house to like beat him up, like all the kind of you know crime drama tropes that we've seen before. And we just said no, 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 because a mm-hmm. it didn't happen, none of it happened, and even to sort of like dramatize it a bit and take the creative liberties, we didn't want to do any of that. And mm-hmm. so I think what was refreshing about it is People are like, oh, we haven't seen the side of Mel Gibson in a while. It's it's kind of nice, and he's fun, and he's charming, and he's he's, he's, he's enjoyable in the film. Yeah.
0: yeah. Hmm. Staying on Mel Gibson, just real quick. I'm curious um, because not only is he and you know an incredible actor, um, but has also directed some some big incredible films and Hacksaw Ridge. And yeah, I I really enjoy
2: Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge is incredible.
0: Yeah. Uh. But so was. What is it like working with, like, was there any dynamic that you ever felt um, that you didn't expect because not only was he such a a, a highbrow A-list actor, but also had that directing um, repertoire behind him as well?
2: Yeah, look, it was definitely intimidating at first, and I wasn't sure which way it was going to go. Um, but I think because we built the trust early, and I think because of the way that he saw me handling the set and working with all the other actors um not once did the director side of his brain come on which i thought was incredible i wouldn't be able to do that personally no Mm -hmm. no Uh, even when i'm producing other people's movies the director you know light comes on i don't always say it i'm thinking and you know it's possible that he was thinking it but he was just there to sort of act and and do his role and um he stayed in his lane he was very respectful very mindful um you know, he's a bit older now, so he he was actually quite patient um, with some of the working hours. You know, we yeah. had really long days. We had him for a week, um, and um, I didn't want to burn him out, obviously, in any way. Um, but he um, he was total pro, and and I know that um, what's great about it is, you know, he made me a promise when we so made the movie. I, I said, uh, listen, if you watch the movie and you like it, um. Yes do a little promo for us do something help us out a little bit and he said if i like the movie i will hundred and he did he did a couple press junkets uh kept it you know minimally he doesn't do a lot of promotional stuff anymore because people are always trying to trap him and bait him and um you know you got to be careful
0: yeah everyone like... wants to talk about the past
2: yeah, yeah people want to talk about the past that's the society that we live in now people yeah. don't really know how to move on or, or sort of just you know anyway we could talk about that for hours but <laughs> Um, yeah, he, he he stayed true to his word, and he um, he was proud of the film. And uh, he was texting me when it came out. and like, "How are we doing? How's it looking? The reviews are pretty good. We got some, we got a couple bad ones, but they're mostly pretty good." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah People like the movie, so you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed."
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome, that's great. Uh, speaking of liking movies, uh, obviously liked Bandit, but another film that I absolutely adore is 2002's Catch Me If You Can. yeah of course obviously there's the main connection of you know both bandit and that film are you know the cat and mouse and you've got that main narrative going but what really propels catch me if you can is it's more than just that it's it's a coming of age story like there's things that just bring it to life and obviously what bandit did so well is it also had things that were beyond just the cat and mouse you know the unique, uh, you know, American dream told within the Canadian context or stranger than, you know, truth, stranger than fiction or a victim of the time of the economy and his upbringing. And, all you know, you can there's a grocery list of all these kind of narratives that bandit had. My question to you is of all these fun, enriching, captivating narratives, what was for you is like bringing something to life. What was the the most fun to bring to the screen of all those narratives?
2: It's funny, you know i was really excited about the cat and and mouse element element. and as the process sort of took on a life of its own i became very enamored by the romantic relationship between josh and alicia because their chemistry is just it's fire yeah and um i think what's funny about it is when we watched the first cut of the movie i had a fellow producer Take a look to give me notes. This is back when it was two and a half hours long. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, you know what's funny about this movie is that the A story is really this relationship between a guy and a girl. And and the longing and need for family And the B story is kind of the heist thing. And um, what's funny is not much changed since then. I mean, it's still obviously... in in a way a heist movie but it is it's a biopic I mean it's this guy's journey and a big part of the journey is this woman that he meets and obviously another thing that we couldn't put in the film that we shot and I'll be releasing I think some deleted scenes in the next couple of months but
1: this whole idea
2: of trying to um you know, seek his mother's approval and rekindle Mm. the relationship from this broken family. Mm. Um, And I think that's like the driving force of the film. And for me being able to take on the challenge of focusing on something so dramatic after having really focused on a lot of like popcorn action comedy stuff. um, I really enjoyed that actually. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed working on that sort of romantic aspect of the film.
1: Mm -hmm. Very cool.
0: Uh, yeah, so, I mean, one of the things when I watched this that really stood out to me in this film is the uh, sort of, like, the meta-ness of it. The fourth wall breaks yeah. and the the on-screen on, on screen text that, that indicates when something really happened. Uh, what was the, the creative process that sort of led to these appearing in the film?
2: So, originally... The very first script had a sequence during the big Vancouver, which is actually what happened. They were in a big shopping mall. The, the, the jewelry store was a Burks hmm. and it was in a, a big mall. And uh, Robert and Bishop, the idiot who leaves the gun behind, actually ended up running into a, a, a police conference with like 100 cops. And the the, the, the the title on the screen originally said, yes, this actually fucking happened. And it was just <laughs> once. And then that's that was cut out. And then as we went through various drafts, we kind of just never went back and revisited those things. And then as we were getting into production and scenes were changing and rewrites were being done, you know, budget restrictions. um, Craig and I started talking again about how, you know, maybe that stuff should come back in to compensate for maybe some of the things we're going to lose. But also, people are just not going to believe some of the crazy, wacky stuff that happens in this. Right. And so we only had one instance, which was the shotgun because it's just so dumb if you think about it like oh did the writers get lazy or did they not have time to finish the scene so they just dropped the shotgun so we knew that we wanted to do that the fourth wall break was actually a combination of josh's idea i wasn't into it at first um and josh really pushed me into doing it And, and, and then that kind of took a life of its own and as we were editing the film we only had the one instance with the shotgun this actually happened and one person that we were test screening for watched it. And one of the notes was there's no way anyone would give over their health card for $22. That's really stupid. And I was like, no, that actually, yeah, that actually, they that. did." <laughs> he's like, Oh, so it was between that and the jail break because it's just so easy how he popped out of a minimum security, which again, that's kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we decided we need to have it come in threes. So we knew it was going to be a um, health card, uh, the shotgun and then the pizza just kind of felt like the icing on top because that also actually happened. Mm, yeah. So it was one of those things that honestly never before in my career had I kind of had a situation where a lot had to change in the process because of sort of how the scope and scale change. Usually with the script is the script, and I I'd always very much stick to the bones of the script. Not always every word of dialogue, but pretty close. And so this was the first time where because we were just – in this blender and things were changing and we didn't have the ability to do so many things. I think our creative juices started to really flow and we kind of all came together. Craig, you know, Josh, uh, myself, Alicia, even Nestor, like all the cast and and us, we kind of just um, came up with a lot of these ideas that, that that became what the final film was.
1: Hmm. Cool. Very cool. Um, What was the dynamic or what, (laughs) can you kind of describe what it was like recreating these Canadian cities when producing when you, you did this in the United States in Georgia, not in Canada?
2: Yeah, that was crazy. Um, I, I had a Dropbox that even if we shot in Canada, I would have had, which just had a lot of sort of visual references of the the banks, the real banks that he robbed, which Scotia branches, TD branches, Mm -hmm. um, the real playmate, uh, the Glebe neighborhood, just everything. And Mm -hmm. so, I kept that on hand, gave it to the uh, art department, locations department. Um, my production designer, who was incredible, who had nothing to work with and, you know, built the Playmate in three days, hmm. like no joke. Hmm. Um, he'd been to Canada, but nobody else had actually ever been to any of these cities. And some people have never even <laughs> been to <in> Canada. <laughs> isn't that surprising now that, now that I think about it? No, know it's just unfortunate.
1: Yeah. It's
2: unfortunate. They yeah. think we but live then. in a cruise. We all think we live in <laughs> um, And so... Uh, Craig and I had to go off a lot of our own memory, uh, but a lot of Google Maps, Street View, things that, um, you know, just because I remember we were struggling to figure out how I would do the Parliament Parliament Hill sequence where Josh pulls up in front of Parliament because we were Mm -hmm. never going to have Josh in Ottawa. And, of course, you watch the movie, and it looks like Josh pulls up in front of Parliament. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, trying to figure out how I would match the buildings that are opposite Parliament. And we found this one street, that had the architecture, the brick color, like everything was almost identical Hmm. to, um, this other street. I think it's Wellington. Wellington is the main street there. And, um, you know, I drove everybody nuts trying to, you know, get these historical accuracies figured out, but also just the geography figured out. Um, and it really just came down to, you know, I think some people thought just put a Canadian flag everywhere. Be easy. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's the stupidest thing. And they're like, why? That's what they do when they come to Canada. American movies just come to Toronto and put American flags. And I was like, no, right. no we got to do more than that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, to the art department's credit, to the location department's credit, we would go to street corners and we'd go to different neighborhoods and we would find, you um, architecture aesthetics anything that resembled parts of these neighborhoods and it's crazy it actually worked like most people um didn't even know we didn't shoot the movie in canada and because we really did shoot in ottawa like i mean we were there in ottawa for a couple days Mm -hmm. and you know you see it like got the truck we got parliament hill we got Mm -hmm. you know the canals we have everything Mm -hmm. um it's just that that was such a minor fraction of what we actually did in the states and uh Mm-hmm. yeah that was that was not something i want to do again <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was that was tough
0: mm-hmm. for me honestly for me it was the red and white health card that sold it i was like yeah yes. i still got that somewhere yes
2: yeah i think <laughs> yeah. i had to cut mine up or something but yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i think some of the props and the currency really helped mm, uh, the currency for sure because uh, mm-hmm. there's definitely things that i i i notice like glaring issues that i notice. i'm like oh my god this is so obviously like georgia here georgia there but crazy is that you know rural georgia looks a lot like you know northern ontario Hmm, yeah parts of you know ontario um you know even in the south Hmm. as you get closer to the border it's uh yeah i mean there's a reason people shoot everything in georgia now you can make it look like anything
1: Hmm. like anything yeah cool very interesting um just putting on the canadian lens here Obviously, you've come across and worked with various other Canadian professionals, you know, Alicia in this project, your writer Craig um you know ben mulrooney and in in gridlocked um you know nathan felion like what's the dynamic when you come across other canadian professionals like is it kind of unique or is it kind of weird where everyone just assumes you know each other like what's the dynamic like when you're coming across i think
2: when you're in canada making a canadian movie nobody really cares it's just like i'm talking to you right now sure okay what's up um on this project it was funny because alicia called me from her or still Ontario area code. Um, and I think we immediately felt the connection and the fact that we were two Canadians telling a true Canadian story in Georgia. I think we all felt like we had to, like her, me, Craig, we felt like we had to band together. I mean, even she, you know, it's funny because she had, um she had grown up and spent some time in the Glebe. So hmm. when we'd be looking at different things, i say, hey, do you think, this Victorian house could, could look like it was in the Glebe. She'd be like, yeah, I think that actually right. worked. Or wow. something wasn't selling. She's like, I don't know if this is going to work. What do you think? And hmm. kind of talk about it. So,
1: yeah, it was fun. That's very cool. Very cool.
0: cool. Uh, Alan, before we let you go, um, we got a we probe about what's coming next. Um, right now, currently, you have a producing credit coming up for Sympathy for the Devil, um, which is exciting for us because... An ongoing—I don't know how this happened—but an ongoing theme on our podcast has just become Nicolas Cage. We're (laughs) constantly talking about Nick Cage. Um, uh, but also I'm—I'm interested in anything that you can tell us
2: about Tenfold. Um, it's so funny. I've been asked about that. I guess that's on my IMDb. not much is happening. That's just one of those projects that's been around that I've been attached to. Um, and there's a couple. You know, it's like I was attached to Bandit for years before it happened. Um, no, Sympathy for the yeah. Devil uh, was great. We shot that in Vegas this summer. Uh, not a place I'm running back to in the summer, that's for sure. It is <laughs> hot and it's monsoon season. I didn't even know there was a monsoon season in Vegas. And what? I don't know if you guys heard the news wow. in the summer, but like I think they had a record rainfall. Like one Thursday, the, rain, the amount of rain they had surpassed the annual rainfall for the last like decade or something like that. Crazy. Um, but that <laughs> oh, was a wow. wild ride. That was oh, a lot wow. of fun. Nick was great. Mm. Uh, I don't want to say much about it. Uh, all I'll say is that um, he was seen with red hair all over the news and the paparazzi were chasing him because they were trying to figure out why Nick had this weird look. And that was for our film. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and he, uh, he turns in a crazy performance in this movie. It's bonkers. So, Uh, You could look for that next, I would say, next summer, probably. That was a lot of fun. Uh, And then, yeah, I have a couple of things I'm looking at right now. Um, You know, I'm attached to direct a couple other films I'm excited about that. Sort of in the same world as Bandit, you know, leaning on the action, the comedy, the heart, the levity. Uh, And then as a producer, I've got a couple of video game properties that, you know, I have the rights to that I'm trying to, you know, set up and uh, there's a there's a platform i've been working with closely that's you know i've been trying to build that but you know like everything it, everything just takes time so sure. yeah there's a lot to be excited about right now and um you know i'm i'm, I'm certainly uh, more eager than some of those who are excited for me to see to see where that goes well,
0: i'll make sure uh, i'll make sure pete sends you my resume and my headshots and we'll be <laughs> yeah. fine yeah Deal.
1: Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, perfect, Alan. Again, thank you so much for your time. Con- well, of course. Congratulations on Bandit and its its success. Just wonderful film, and we do truly look forward to what the future has in store for you. And nothing but the best for you.
2: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'll be uh, I'll be looking forward to coming back and talking to you guys on the next one.
1: Yeah, we
0: would absolutely. love it. We absolutely. love it.
1: All right, sir. Thank you so much. Well. I, like we said in the beginning, that
0: was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you think he would be willing to replace one of us on this podcast?
1: <laughs> I mean, when when we were in discussion with him about tra- co- the guesting on the show, that's not something that I brought up about potentially replacing one of us on a long-term basis. I like, suppose it's... <laughs> I,
0: I enjoy doing the podcast, but oh, yes. also for the, but like, for the best
1: interest of the podcast, I will gladly <laughs> step aside. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, did not come up, but I guess we can't rule it out.
0: So, what was your big takeaway from that that interview? Uh,
1: my big takeaway from the interview, I there's a lot. Like, I honestly, I think the interview was thirty-ish uh, minutes long or high twenties. Regardless, I could go for to- exactly that amount of time and say what my big takeaway was. But I think my big takeaway was, um. As a fan of Nestor Carbonell, I'm so happy to hear what he was like to work with on this project, and that you know, how he appears on screen is kind of how he is in person. He's genuine, he's authentic, and just like the fact that he was so helpful in in different type of production ca- in capabilities with helping Alan and just the fact that he postponed his own medical care for a torn you know, for like a an injury. And just instead say, no, I'm good. Like I'll finish out this project because it's best for this film. And I'll deal with that (laughs) when we're done here. That was just bonkers to me. Like, (laughs) um, yeah, that, that just, I guess, and I guess I, I said Nestor Carbonell, but I guess you could ex- extend it to just the rest of like, just what, uh, the, the, his, ex- Alan's experience with the cast, you know, his great experience with Alicia, who apparently w- found out she was pregnant while, while they were filming and just even with Mel and the professional that he was and, and what he brought to the team there. I think that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah. It's cool. just, yeah. How about yourself? Uh, deleted scenes. There's deleted scenes yes. that are probably coming. yeah <laughs> I, I get listen, more we talked, bandit. We talked about this in our review. And again, if if the listener hasn't heard it, go back and listen to it. We had fun talk. Brady and I had fun talking about that as well. The, I, I'm absolutely there for the deleted scenes. This was a film that had a good tempo and flow. And I could have absolutely done with more just because of how well well done it was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, even though this was an amazing episode, and I feel like we don't owe the listener anything <laughs> at this point, send them <laughs> off with the nicest, most wonderful send off you possibly
1: can sure sounds good well thank you again for listening obviously huge thank you for alan for joining us on the show it was a huge treat for us we hope it was a huge treat for you the listener and uh like follow subscribe on all our socials below um rate and review us and check out our patreon page uh help support the show and uh you can find some ways that we can help uh return some favors for for your support and uh until next time we we look forward to talking to you yeah
0: and look forward to talking like maybe my takeaway is actually he's excited to come back and talk to us again
1: Yes, that was, and he he kind of left some uh some interesting little tidbits about what he's got brewing and what What's he's working coming. on, and it sounds really interesting, and it would be a fun opportunity to chat with him again in the future, yeah, I've tried to weasel my way into his phone book for <laughs> yes, you know, even if I got to
0: be bus stop guy number four <laughs> uncredited. <laughs> There won't be any speaking line. Like I'm not, I'm not a, a a part of the Screen Actors Guild, so you know. Sure. I'm not gonna get like a script or anything, mm-hmm. but That's okay. you know, just even the guy stealing candy from a baby in the in the background. <laughs> right. I'm game.